stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! I've waited 393 days to say this. To whom it may concern, f*** you. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Felt good. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 213 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood and rather excited host, Andre Harrison, back at it once again with the first part of a double header of recordings. Yes, we're bringing back the old Motorsport 101 daily double for one week only because, uh, yeah. We had uh, so much to get through, we thought it's probably best if we split this up, which is exactly what we ended up doing last week. And uh, yes, we have a lot to get through this weekend, but we're having not one, but two shows. On this first part, you're going to be listening to uh, us talk about the Singapore Grand Prix involving a rather famous winner. It totally wasn't Nico Rosberg, I promise. Um, and we'll be talking through all of that. And of course, we'll be talking about MotoGP as, uh, and their Grand Prix at Aragon, the, lot, the second to last of the Spanish rounds this year, as uh, Mark Marquez decided to essentially teabag the opposition. Honestly, it, I know it sounds like I'm being crude, but that's basically what this was, <laughs> for lack of a better term. With me, on this four-person show, again, because uh, Cam's decided to pay his rent on time for once. Um, first of all, Cam, hello, sir. Grande machina. <laughs> Glad to see the gassy. They finally fixed the fucking car. <laughs> and got real lucky, too. You shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, Renault man. <laughs> No, please, tell us more about how your car is doing. <laughs> I, I'm just a neutral okay. bystander who enjoys chaos. And potassium. Potassium poisoning is very far out on the horizon. <laughs> In King's case, that actually might be a good thing. Hello, King. Any more mockery you want to get off your chest? Um, J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> out oh, dear. Mononucleosis. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. To be fair, it could be worse. I could have mentioned last week's ending. Um, anyway. Oh, <laughs> Out indefinitely with missing engine frame. Out indefinitely <laughs> restraining orders. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't before, it certainly was after that one went out. If you haven't seen it, because we didn't publicise it very much, um... You may want to listen to last week's show all the way to the end. Just saying. Think of it like a Marvel movie. There's an after credits scene. <laughs> yeah, it's one of our best. If you mm. have any issues with the ending of episode 212, please take it up with the director, uh, with the editor of the show at, uh, wait, hold up. That, that's me. Where, where do I redirect him? Uh, <laughs> shit. Hold up. I, I'm, I gotta think about this one here, folks. Um, send it to at Hulk Hulkenberg. Apparently, you could need of a new job. Um, oh, 
More on that in episode not, 214. Certainly not being a professional ninja warrior. Oh, no. <laughs> actually, actually, send it to at Andrew Benson F1 on Twitter. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. RJ, how you doing, sir? Doing good. Doing good for reasons we'll get to in the second half of our doubleheader. <laughs> yes, part two of this doubleheader, episode 214, will in, will obviously involve IndyCar season finale at Laguna Seca and the crowning of a new IndyCar series champion, albeit a repeat one. It's always fun. And some really talented young kid won the race. But hey, no one cared about that bit. <laughs> Sorry, Colton. Neil Alberico uh, won a race? Neil Not Alberico! that one. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, but uh, yeah, that'll all be in part two. Um, while King finds a way to unfreeze his latest pouch of bananas, I'll quickly run through the places you can find us. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to find our personal handles, you can at harrison101hd, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell. Um, and at CamBuckley917, just yank out the vowels. You can find all the detail and much, much more on our website, motorsport101.com, where I put up a new blog this past uh, this past week. Um, it's one on Mark Marquez and uh, the rising case of cynicism regarding his, his uh, string of recent dominance. Um, if you haven't listened to last week's show, basically read this first and then go and listen to that show because we had a fantastic discussion about this on the podcast, one I was actually particularly proud of, one I think that was certainly worth a mention. Um, it's, a, it's a fun time for all involved, and uh, if you've missed the days of Bike Live, given how much Lewis was, on the, was active on the Discord during that conversation, I think you'll enjoy that one a lot. Um, and hey, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to um, to um, all of our shows. Apart from this week, where I will lower the requirement to a buck because I promised earlier in the year if Sebastian won another race, I would make an episode available for all our backers. I'm mad of my word. <laughs> this episode will be available for a buck. <laughs> you... It's a deal. So, uh... It's a deal, it's a steal, it's sale of the fucking century. So yeah, episode 213 is yours for a dollar. It's the Motorsport man of my 101 word. sofa sale going on this fall. <laughs> Enjoy. So yeah, one buck to just these next pair of episodes. And we'll be back to the usual at five dollars uh, for back for, uh, to be get, uh, access to all of our shows. Ten dollars gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Uh, shout out to Rezzy, shout out to Vic, to Lewis and to Vince, all listening in as always. Thank you very much. Also, I love that RJ put Thomas Cook sale regarding that discount. <laughs> you, oh, no. You cruel, cruel man, O'Connell. <laughs> okay. RJ, get, so uh, RJ, you're grounded. I know. In, in fairness, that is like... That is, like, genuinely terrible that people are getting stranded because of that, but I'm just like, damn. That whole airline just went bankrupt. Yeah, 200 million in the hole. Very sad. 9,000 people are about to be made redundant. Already have been. 
sigh. And, uh, so despite our awful joke, you know, all the best to everyone involved, and I hope you guys can land on your feet. Um, in you know, pardon the pun there, but yeah, as mentioned, episode two thirteen, the first part of this doubleheader, we'll be talking about MotoGP at Aragon a little bit later on. But after this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about the Singapore Grand Prix and uh, boy, a different sort of fun this weekend and uh, one that was very interesting indeed. for the Reverend Drefflow Dollar. Here to give his sermon. Thank you, thank you. You may all be seated. Uh, yes, Super Pastor Dre Harrison here. Um, here to bless this show. Two weeks ago, our church befell a horrific tragedy. The, the horrific burning and sacrifice of the Church of Dre due to the hands of that cruel bastard... <laughs> Beelzebub Leclerc. Uh, after two victories in a week in a deeply emotionally charged state, we thought the Church of Dre might not ever see the light of day again. But like our brothers in Notre Dame, we will rise again. <laughs> the Church of Dre is back. We are rebuilding brick by fucking brick. <laughs> because boy... I can't believe I'm saying this after 393 days since the 2018 Belgian Grand Prix. I can't believe I'm saying this. Sebastian Vettel won a Grand Prix! <laughs> yes! Yeah! Yes! Praise be! <laughs> Silence even! <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a registered trademark. I don't, I don't know if we can use that phrase anymore. Oh, god damn it. Yeah, it took you my suit. It's, it's okay, it's okay. It's too common to be trademarked. <laughs> it's too common. Sorry, bro. I'm Bron. Taco Thursday. Oh. Uh, you mean Jay-Z hasn't claimed that one yet? No? But, <laughs> but uh, yes, after a, a winless drought spanning over a year, Sebastian Vettel is a Grand Prix winner again. His 53rd career victory. And uh, it... <laughs> That's quite the story as to how we got to this point, but uh, we had qualifying, you know, it was a affair that wasn't plagued by traffic, amazingly. Um, we had something resembling an actual qualifying session, and I love the fact that Sebastian, like, set a ridiculously fast first lap in Q3 out of the box. So he did a 36-4 that was two temps faster than Leclerc in Q2. And everyone was like, wait a minute! <laughs> well, let's say, Ferrari came into this weekend with a few upgrades because, as we know, Ferrari's car has been dog shit at slow-speed tracks. Mm-hmm. New nose, new floor, bunch of bits. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Oh my god, they fixed the car. Yeah, it it's actually shocking that a Ferrari major upgrade set actually worked. Where the fuck was and this in Germany? Worked, <laughs> was they were their usual amount off with the old package when they were doing back to back on the first day. Yeah. It was business as usual. No everyone was still kinda cynical towards Ferrari. 
um, through, I'd say up, to, I'd say through Q1 on Saturday morning, saying, well, we all remember what happened last year, right? When we all thought Ferrari had the fastest car there, and then Merckx, and then more specifically Lewis Hamilton, just completely dunked on the entire field with, with one of the one of the best qualifying laps of the hybrid era to date. And uh, everybody took their ball and went home, basically. Um, this time round, Seb set the pace with a 36-4. And, and then Charles Leclerc went two temps faster right at the end to take to take his fifth pole position of the season. Believe it or not, that now puts him in lead of the pole trophy. His fifth pole position yeah, of the year. Both drivers. Yeah, um, bo- I, be- I believe both Merck's drivers have four, I want to say. I know Hamilton. I know Hamilton has four. Hang on, I'll have a, I'll have a quick. Butchers. And I know Verstappen uh, is the only other one with a with a pole position. But yeah, Ferrari. Oh, Vettel. Vettel got pole oh, yeah. in Canada. Vettel got pole in Canada, but uh, four from Bottas, four from Bottas, four from Hamilton, one from Seb and Verstappen respectively, and now five from Charles Leclerc. So he now is in the outright lead of the pole trophy, including obviously the last three in a row. <laughs> So uh, everyone was like, yep, it's dead and buried. It really is Charles's team now. And to make matters even worse, Seb, that was one of the best Seb laps he's done all year. He started on the second row because Hamilton pulled off a stunning final sector to steal second on the grid with a 36-4 of his own. Um, In fairness, Vettel, Vettel didn't get a second run in Q3. He had a, a very much a Eurobeat moment through sector one and aborted the lap. Deja vu! I've never been in this place before! Um, yeah, precisely. And uh, he had to uh, he abandoned the lap late on in Q3. I think he aborted around turn 16. And that was the end of that. So, yeah, Charles Leclerc on uh, on pole position ahead of Lewis Hamilton on the front row with Sebastian Vettel third, Max Verstappen fourth, uh, and Bottas and Albon, the B-tier, in, in, on row three in fifth and sixth. A couple of other notables. Daniel Ricciardo was disqualified um, from qualifying because I believe it was for a millisecond he ran above the MGUK limit, I believe it was. Yeah, he hit a curb and it's his MGUK spun up over the 160 horsepower hard cap. Renault was very displeased. Yeah, they, they, they were very sassy about it on Twitter afterwards. Which I thought was quite funny. It's um, real salt. It was real salt. Daniel he merely Re- adopted the salt. Yeah, Ricardo took an, an, pretty much an entire new power unit as a result just, just to keep himself on the back of the grid, but might as well just take the fresh engine while I'm here, basically. But uh, that was the other key notable from qualifying. So, race itself. Charles Leclerc keeps the early lead in turn one. Hamilton takes a lot of pressure in the early game from Sebastian, but is able to hold second place. That was fun. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Then began the first stint. The first stint was... If anybody watched last year's race, you'll know where this is going. It was tyre management mode. You know, Leclerc was... To the tune of 13 seconds a lap off qualifying pace. Yeah. King. Backing <laughs> it up. Backing, backing, backing it up. I was ready to just like check out on this one in like the first it, 10 yeah. or so laps because not a whole lot was happening. And we thought that was going to stay a while because Singapore is a very beautiful racetrack, but sometimes it does throw up absolute clunkers of races. 
it's it's a it's a beautiful looking eyesore as a racetrack. It's slow, it's cumbersome, it encourages backing the field up because track position is king because it's ludicrously hard to overtake around here. And it's at a 100% safety car rate, so which means it's it's nasty on the drivers because they're almost exhausted by the time, you know, it's it's all said and done. And their races tend to hover around the two-hour mark. In fact, it's gone over two hours, I think, on three or four occasions since it came onto the calendar in 2008. Um, this one, again, was very close. That was an hour 58. We were two laps away from going over the limit, um, basically. So they just got all 61 laps in time. Um, because, hey, spoiler alert, we had three safety cars. Um, more welcome, on that Joseph. later. You're welcome. So for anyone that was betting on Singapore keeping its 100% safety car rate, congratulations, you're a winner. I hope you'd enjoy turning your 10 bucks into 11. Um, no, seriously, that was that was the odds. Um, anyway... <laughs> Yeah, we we had this tire-saving procession in the early going, which is, you know, not fun, to say the least. Until Ferrari were fir- yeah. full Ferrari were first to blink. But it wasn't... Well, not just Ferrari. Mm. Ferrari was covering off Verstappen, who tried to make a play to undercut Vettel. Yeah. Verstappen tries to undercut Vettel... Vettel immediately responds by coming in to, to challenge the undercut, and everybody then blinked. Basically, it 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 became the world's fastest game of chicken. How long do you dare go on these tires? Something had to give. Verstappen blinked Q. first. Q, the mightiest outlap there ever was. At the at the point Sebastian went into the pits, he was about three and a bit seconds off the lead. He, um, there was a, a bit of a distance, let's, let's say dirty air distance, between him and Lewis Hamilton and, and obviously Charles Leclerc up front. Um, Vettel's outlap was so fast, Toto Wolff immediately threw in the towel on plan A. That's how fast he was, because he admitted after the race to uh, Sky Sports F1 and Karun Chanhok that... Even if he'd gone in one lap later after Sebastian did, they would have lost the position. What a damn and lap that, w- that was, too. The, it, and that was with a pit stop that was three seconds, which is not that fast in F1 terms. It's and not. a relatively slow in lap. It's not. It was a slow in lap. It was a three-second stop. Sebastian Vettel gained 3.9 seconds on the undercut. And it was only a, it, it was only what a one lap undercut on his teammate. Right, because it was a one lap undercut. Lap. It was a one lap undercut. If you haven't seen this lap, go out of your way to see it. If you didn't know better, you looked at it and think it's a qualifying lap. I quoted it on Saturday afternoon because it was it was fitting then. It, it's even more fitting now. Sebastian had had enough. This was if anyone remembers Monaco 2017 when he raced his teammate. This was an outlap of the gods. It, it's it's a scintillating qualifying lap. And again, as, as I mentioned, 3.9 seconds of a, a worth of undercut on Charles Leclerc. He comes out of the pits ahead and has the effective race lead. Um, mostly because Lewis Hamilton, again, Toto will threw in the towel on plan A. Like he, had, yes. he, like, he could see where it was going. He could see the, the time Sebastian was gaining and realized if we box him now, we lose. Simple as yeah. that. Ferrari, for once in their miserable existence, 
they put Mercedes in a situation that was unwinnable. They put Mercedes in a situation where they had to rely on the safety car or their race was done. Yeah. They could not win this on track. Simple as that. Um, track, as I mentioned, track position is king. We know the Merck struggles in a straight line. So that's going to give him even more of a disadvantage when it comes to passing somebody on track. And yeah, we, and as Rezzy mentioned in the Discord chat, Charles Leclerc's pit stop was 0.6 of a second faster. Three seconds for Seb, 2.4 for Charles Leclerc, which is much more competitive in, in pit stop terms. And Sebastian still came out in front. As you can imagine, this was not, this didn't go down well in the Leclerc camp. Um, Leclerc was not best pleased. Um, finding out that, hey, He's probably just lost the race. Through no real fault of his own, Leclerc really didn't do much wrong here. Um, he, shall we say, was passive-aggressive about the whole thing. Uh, about like, everything. I just, I just don't think it's fair. Like, you know, you know, I don't think it's fair. I'm not going to do anything stupid, I promise. You know, I, I, I respect Ferrari, but I think it's not fair. In... Also, give me everything. I want reason. everything. I want everything. I think everybody during one of these safety car restarts was like expecting, oh, God, this is Vettel's, this is Leclerc's heel turn. This is when he's going to hit Sebastian Vettel over the back of a steel chair. Uh, I, I may or may not have tweeted that during the race. That McMahon is um... <laughs> over steel chair. Well, it's the big slow, <laughs> but uh, but we're not talking but, about uh, Oz right yet. No, oh. also also true, but uh, yeah. And to be fair, they admitted it. Well, Matteo Benazio did after the race. They were considering swapping the cars back. Um, and yeah, if you actually listen to Team Radio during Vettel's outlap. He says, you're racing Hamilton. Even Ferrari didn't know Vettel was going to be that quick on the outlap because the average for the undercut was about three seconds. Yeah, Seb had effectively 4.5 if you take the pit stop out into the equation as well. It was about four and a half seconds he made up on, on, on that undercut. That's how big a difference it was. And to be fair as well, it's worth mentioning as well, Ferrari did give Charles Leclerc everything on those restarts. Anthony Davidson said it during the race because he was working the uh, he was working the race control section for Sky and he has access to all the team radio. He said it himself. I think after the second restart that we had, that yeah, they they were giving yeah, they were giving Leclerc restart plus. They were giving him everything on those restarts to try and beat his teammate. So for all those guys out here saying that Ferrari have an equal program. Well, just saying, they were considering giving Leclerc this W. Um, just, just saying, you know, it's. I don't, I don't want to stoke the fires between fan bases here. I'm just laying out the facts. You guys can come to your own conclusions um, on that one. But uh, Leclerc, while in the middle of a bit of a sulk, would would follow Sebastian home in second place. Um, to be fair. Once out of the car, I think Charles did see the light. Um, I think he... Yeah, what, what Ferrari had done is they were running 1-3, but they were vulnerable because everyone was so close because of the tire management. If Lewis pits before either Ferrari, he wins the race. Yeah. If Ferrari doesn't cover Verstappen with Seb, Verstappen probably jumps up to at least P2. Yeah. 
it, I said it before. I said it on Instagram because I, got, I just had some Q&A questions regarding that. I said it myself. Ferrari won this by accident more than it was genius strategy. But hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky rather than good. And yeah, without the undercut, it's probably three and four for Ferrari on the day. And it's probably Hamilton by it's probably Hamilton versus Verstappen for the win. Because it sure wasn't um, going to be Hamilton versus Botas because James Vowles was on the microphone to one Valtteri Botas. Oh God, um, Valtteri, please don't go too fast. Um, Valtteri, it's 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 James. Um, can you do like a uh, look? Can you do a forty-eight-eight, please? You know, we just want to make sure these tires can go the distance. James, we want to make sure that Lewis gets out ahead of you because we compromised his strategy. Uh, James, like you done goofed again, and you were already a meme this the last strategically, time. Strategically, this may be Mercedes' worst race of the hybrid era. Yeah. This this was a bad one. They got this completely wrong. And as I mentioned, Ferrari backed Mercedes into a corner where Merckx had to go long. It was the only way they were going to win this race. They had to. They forced Hamilton to go longer in the hope that a safety car landed in their window. It did not. So by the time Hamilton threw in the towel, they basically moved Bottas to the re- to one side like a red carpet to have Hamilton come out in front of him. Which is going, King which ha- is really, really great, you know, for somebody whose confidence may already been shaking as they are entering a mid to late season slump. Just saying. King, I, I, imagine I, being <laughs> the only driver realistically still in the fight for the drivers' championship. It's like, hey, King, uh, uh, what did you make of that situation? Uh, I mean. I understand that they thought Hamilton was the best viable car to get the race win. They messed up the strategy. They're trying to defend said strategy. But in the grand scheme of things and hindsight, that was a bad move. And they compromised. Yeah, leaving him out. Yeah, leaving him out had dropped him behind Verstappen. No Mercedes on the podium. That's only happened twice this year, here in Germany. Yeah. And Bottas was sacrificed for Hamilton. It's not the first time that uh, this has happened. Remember Rosberg's championship year in 2016? Monaco. Do you, do you remember in Singapore... Monaco 2016. Yeah, do you remember Singapore 2016 where... If I remember oh, correct, if I remember correctly, they put Hamilton on a two-stopper to beat Raikkonen for a podium spot, and inadvertently left Nico Rosberg, who was leading the race as a sitting duck, as Daniel Ricciardo was chasing him down. <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, Monaco when they were fighting, when Rosberg had, I believe, a glazed brake disc, mm. and Hamilton was stuck behind him. They called Rosberg. Get out of the way. You don't have a chance for the win. Hamilton does. <sighs> See, I love when Mercs always play this little fun game on social media of being the friendly team. You know, the look, you know, we, we send driver postcards out and, you know, we have great respect for our other drivers, you know, handshakes and, you know, smugness and we're all great and all that. They're just as bad as everybody else. They just have a better PR team. I've said this from I've said this for years about Mercedes, and people are only now just starting to realise that team is fully riding Lewis Hamilton's jock. 
And <laughs> you, know, you know, when I think, uh, when I hear people talk about the Lewis and Bottas being uh, equal driver status, I just think it's an urban legend that never happened. Yeah. One has multiple world championships. The other doesn't. Yeah. Other has a couple like, wins and a couple good results in a Williams. Look, I'm not saying they shouldn't be doing this with Hamilton. They absolutely should. They're trying to win both championships. This is absolutely the right thing to do. However, I wish they would stop trying to pull the wool over our eyes and pretend like this is some sort of equal team. It is not. Merckx has never ran their team equally, and they never will run their team equally. They're a Formula One team. What do you fucking expect? They're a <laughs> like, seriously. championship winning Formula One team. They should not feel entitled to run their team equally. They should feel entitled to run their team however they damn well please within the letter of the law of the Formula One sporting regulations. Which is just what they have done, and it's why they're so goddamn good. Again, just don't piss on my head and call it rain. Um... <laughs> You know, but hey, that's Mercs for you. They were fourth and fifth on the day. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, although to be fair to Lewis, he was very nice to Seb after the race. He, he actually went up to him during uh, Vettel working the media pen and uh, they hugged it out and he said he was really happy for him, which was a genuinely nice they moment. Eyes. They they stood yeah. side by, they stood face to face to one another. And in that moment, mm-hmm. they just took a deep breath and just, where'd you think this was going? <laughs> <laughs> they touched they crashed into they just crashed into each other under safety car at Baku mm. it's a problem it's, it's, it's a problem RJ have you been writing fan fiction again I'm just going <laughs> off of what I saw in that one photo that's been circulating the internet of like Vettel and Hamilton looking like yeah. that's a lock lips Suez. yeah Suez fan club. <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh it, it, so that's what Suez meant I've been seeing that word <laughs> running around the net for the last day I didn't know what that meant <laughs> Shit! <laughs> oh my god. Hamilton and Vettel slipped him tongue! <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the meme of Mike Tyson going, now quiche! <laughs> oh, t- I'd like to hand in my resignation. <laughs> Re- resignation denied. Um, <laughs> no! <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, but uh, yeah, Charles, once he got over the sulking, did kind of admit that, yeah, there was no other way for them to to play this strategy so that Charles could win the race. He kind of admitted, begrudgingly, that uh, Ferrari did do the right thing in the end, and yeah, they are the first team, they are the first team to actually have a 1-2 finish in Singapore as a manufacturer in the 11 years we've been running this. Um, which is nice. First hat trick of wins for Ferrari since the end of the appendage era in 2008. Yep, 2008 was the last time they they, they won three in a row, um, which is crazy. And as mentioned before, 392 days between between Vettel winning races. Wild stuff for a man that has 53 for his career. Um, and he also becomes Singapore's all time wins leader with five. It's the first time he's ever won at a Grand Prix venue five times as well. So that's a few fun facts of the day for you. We'll tackle the running order real quick here and we'll get into some of the other stories that happen now on the grid because there's some juicy ones down here. Um, as mentioned, Sebastian Vettel winning in the end. Um, <laughs> By 2.6 seconds over Charles Leclerc in second. Which one of you out there put a 1 2 
put a bet out for a one-two for Ferrari at this track. Um, I wish I could take credit for that one, but I didn't. Um, Vettel was twelve to one to win the race on race day. Twelves. God. Yeah. Somebody would have made like stupid bank off of that. Yep. Yep. If they had paid yep. no attention to anything else, paid no attention to the fact that the Ferrari was not optimized for a track like this, and just been like, "Hey, I love Ferrari. I'm gonna bet they'll win one two <laughs> Also, I'm seeing nothing but Swiss pictures now all over my timeline, and uh, uh... it's it, it it's a thing. All I will say is, happy by visibility day, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good shit. Hey. We stand. Uh, Max Verstappen in third. A very quiet day for Max Verstappen in the end yeah. in third. Red Bull, uh, Red Bull afterwards said that they just got the setup wrong. Because uh, I saw some blaming uh, Honda for this one. The Red Bull just looked really, really poor over the bumps Yeah, here. when I said yeah. that Red Bull Honda were going to be the team to beat at Singapore, I was actually trying to reverse psychology Ferrari into winning this race. That's how it worked. Do not quote me on this. Back to the fan fiction, O'Connell. Um, <laughs> as mentioned, this for only the second time this season, both Mercs off the podium. Lewis Hamilton fourth um, with Valtteri Bottas fifth in the end. Um, Alex Albon wins the worst of the top six award in sixth, 11.6 seconds off the win. Now, there is one something, there is something that I think it was Cryo Lockdown on Twitter pointed out regarding this. Once the tires, once they stopped saving tires and they started racing at full speed, Verstappen cleared Albon at the rate of 1.6 seconds a lap until they went in the pits. Yeah. Um, well, con- well, congratulations. Yeah, uh, y'all y'all really wanted race. Pierre Gasly gone, and now you you've now understood that, like, hey, maybe it wasn't all Pierre's fault. Like, guys, I'm just saying, like, the overtakes are fun and all, but is Albon really any better than what Pierre Gasly was when he got cut? I don't cut? know. This is Albon's first time racing here. We're staffing his experience here. Uh, yeah, but uh, still, I go back to Kings, when... 1.6 seconds, I, mate. I go, I go back to when this move was first announced. It's just like, they're going to have such unrealistic expectations for Albon's Albon the moment they get in the car. Sixth place is not going to be good enough for them. Yeah, because it wasn't good enough for Pierre Gasly. So, you know... To be fair, Gasly wasn't getting sixth. About half the time he was in the top six. It was, I think it was five out of the 12 he raced in. So, perspective there for you. Um, in seventh, Lando Norris, ladies and gentlemen. A very, very solid day for Lando himself. Um, see what happens when he put the yellow to one side. See? Orange is totally your color, Lando. Just... The Valentino Rossi hat stays on during sex. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <laughs> is that also streamed on Twitch? No? <laughs> oh, God. I think they're terms of service. <laughs> There's some terms and conditions. That doesn't stop half their titty streamer fan base. Um, <sighs> low cut tops for to the YouTube. win. Oh, and he's been unverified. Oh, again? <laughs> Second time this week. Uh, Pierre Gasly in eighth. Um, he was in the wars in that Toro Rosso. Another solid result, result for him in the Toro Rosso in eighth place. Mika Hulkenberg, I think he had some sort of valve problem at the end of the race, and he had to limp it home, but he still finished in ninth. Um, Hulkenberg had a day in the wars. He really did. He bumped... Movie. He bumped... Yeah, he bumped Carlos Sainz on the opening lap. Both cars were able to survive. Hulkenberg was in the wars. 
got two points for his trouble in the end. Almost charitable in the end. Um, and, and the last point goes to Antonio Giovinazzi. He had a day. He became just the sixth man in Alfa the field. Alfa Romeo led a race for the first time since 83. <laughs> yeah. For the first time in over 30 years, Alfa Romeo led a Grand Prix and Antonio Giovinazzi became just the sixth man this season to lead a racing lap. Four of them, to be precise. Um, he, he was just... The first a- time, first time since 2015 that anyone outside of the big three teams, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, uh, has led uh, any uh, laps. Uh, Cam, Cam, we have a different term for that. The big dick There six. we go. <laughs> Look, Albon, the second Red Bull hasn't led a lap this year yet, and Alpha has. Yeah. Four laps led for Antonio Giovinazzi. He did take a 10-second time penalty after the race because he uh, he drove too close to the recovery truck. City boy. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, and also, his he was having a better day than that position, but unfortunately, one send-happy Australian decided to uh, put a damper on that. More on that very shortly. Running down the field, Romain Grosjean in 11th, who survived a a nasty scrape um, alongside the uh, turn six wall between him and George Russell. I mean... Boy, I'm about to get into this, but if your opinion of certain midfield drivers has not changed in about five to seven years, this is your field day. Because both Romain Grosjean <laughs> and Daniel Kvyat got into controversial on-track incidents that have people questioning their long-term futures in the sport. Yeah, start of Sector 2, um, Russell and Grosjean go side-by-side side into the very slow right-hander. Um, Grosjean tries a, and I'll say this generously, ambitious move around the outside of Turn 5. Um, George Russell really doesn't do much wrong. He did give Grosjean a car's whip um, through the apex. George claims after the race that uh, he didn't, he wouldn't change a thing if it happened again, and that he, but in his mind, he claimed he had the corner by then. Um, by the time it was, it was at the exit, he he believed he had the right to the race in line. Romain Grosjean disagreed, <laughs> and uh, Grosjean taps the rear of Russell's car, and Russell's car goes into the fence, and that's the first DNF for Williams has suffered this season. Uh, believe also worth noting, this is how far Haas has fallen. They were fighting on track with Williams. Yeah. To put this into per- further perspective, Robert Kubica passed and pulled away from the other Haas of Kevin Magnussen at one point during the race. Christ. That kind of says it all about just how bad a weekend Haas had on paper, but Grosjean still was able to shithouse an 11th place to finish, almost unjustly. Stewards let it go after the race, said that there was blame on both sides and that uh, both guys um, could have done it, could have handled it better. I disagree. I think that was almost entirely on Grosjean. I think by the time George is through the apex, he had he had the corner, and and Grosjean should have backed out of it. Quite frankly, he was never going to make that pass ever. Not in a month of Sundays, um, and uh, he didn't. 
So now he was in the wall. Uh, well, his, uh, the guy he hit was in the wall anyway. Grosjean got away with it. <sighs> Hooray. Justice. Speaking of lack of justice, Carlos Sainz Jr. Give that man a good race again, please. He was in 12th. And again, he was uh, bumped quite heavily by Hulkenberg on the opening lap. And his, uh, it's he had a 36-second pit stop repairing the damage. Um, yeah, they dropped the car and couldn't get it back up to put tires on it. McLaren. McLaren, for a team that is in a yawning chasm between the teams in front of you and the teams behind you, you're sure doing a good job of letting the teams behind you catch up. Don't do what this. are they doing? Don't do this. Don't, don't, you, don't you bottom out just yet, McLaren. <laughs> and, and look, they still gain more points over Renault, but they're leaving so many points on the table. They it, should have at least 20 to 30 more points if they, they should. just fix these silly operational mistakes. Indeed, it was. It certainly would have uh, salvaged maybe getting both cars in the points instead of a gro um, Carlos finishing in twelfth place. And McLaren was far and away quicker than the midfield. Yep, Lance as, uh, as shown with uh, Norris. Indeed, Lance Stroll was in thirteenth. He was down the order. He was in the wars himself, but he oh, racing point. Uh, he binned it on his own. He uh, he he hit the wall off camera. And had to and had to fix damage on his car, so he fell to 13th from what could have been a couple of points. Uh, so Stroll binned it on his own, unfortunately, and um, and that was literally moments before Sergio Perez, who spoiler alert was a DNF, he had an oil leak in his car and he had to pull off to the he had he had to pull off to the side with 20 laps to go, which was which I believe caused the second of the three safety yes. car restarts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, all of Force India's, or sorry, I should say racing points, all of their the points. formerly known. Yeah. Yeah, it's formerly known as Force India. Um, both their cars were out of the points within seconds of each other. Um, whoops. Um, in two separate incidents. Sad times. Daniel Ricciardo in 14th. Now... Ricardo was uh, in full meme mode earlier in the race. It was like, you know, doing his usual thing of dive bombing the shit out of people. And then, you know, like, yeah, boy, going, you know, we, you know we're having some fucking fun here or something like that on the radio was, I think, the quote he said. Um, when he was starting Again, to dive bomb people. He's an Andy Samberg character. I don't know if we've ever discussed this theory on the show, uh, co opted by SB Nation Spencer Hall, but Daniel Ricardo is basically an Andy, an Andy Samberg character just lying out there in plain sight, and nobody's realized it just yet. That is the best analogy I've ever heard. That is genius. He really is Jake Peralta in Formula One form. And I mean that in every good and bad way you can imagine, because uh, <laughs> as Cam mentioned earlier, yeah, he had one dive bomb too many and clunked into the side of Antonio Giovinazzi's car. Silly Daniel, one dive bomb too many, and only the second silliest Daniel of the day, because oh you remember what I mentioned God. about drivers' personas not having been changed about two to three years, and people just going off of memes about drivers. Well. Daniel Kvyat went into Singapore and he proved all the haters, the doubters, and the internet critics right in this instance. Jesus. Yeah. Full torpedo. He had a bad race from the drop of the. Uh, yeah. From was, the from the time the lights went out. He was sloppy. He was slow, and he and he, and he topped it off. 
with a, I'd say something like a 50 meter lunge on Kimi Raikkonen into turn one. He had no chance of making the, the apex for turn two. Um, he was going to go off the track. I'm dead certain he, he braked that late, trying to pass Kimi Raikkonen into turn one. He gets it wrong. He drives over the, the, the turn one curb into the side of Raikkonen's car, breaks Raikkonen's suspension, and he's out of the race. Um, Which that then one... triggered our third safety car. Yep. Um, not, there was nothing of note that happened off any of these restarts. It's why we've not really mentioned it. But uh, yeah, that was the third and final safety car. Shout out to Grand Prix Diary that hit up the joke of Kimi Raikkonen actually walking past the bar. Um, the jokes write themselves um, on that one, but he had to walk through the bar to get back to the paddock, which I thought was quite funny. Um, memes, everybody! Memes! Etc. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Daniel, no. Don't do that again. It's such a good season. That ain't it, Chief. No, no. He, he, he's better than that. Stop Robert. vindicating Dr. Marco's decision-making, Daniel. Come on. Indeed. Robert Kibitzer, um, for on what was quite an emotional weekend for him. Um, you'll probably hear more about that in part two um, in the news section. Um, he finished in 16th place, which he even considered was, was an emotional achievement given he was injured last week and uh, he was able to finish what is the most physically demanding track on the calendar despite losing like three quarters of a stone. Um, so, yeah, he was actually it, injured on his good arm. Yeah, the good one. <laughs> like says it all. Still finishing sixteenth place. Kevin Magnuson was a minute and twenty six off the top in twenty sixth place. In seventeenth oh. place. Yeah, um, Magnuson was running well into the midfield when a very long bearded man eating a sandwich threw a bag out onto track. You know who else <laughs> had a very long beard, and I can't remember. Um, was it William Story? That name doesn't sound familiar. It was some weirdo with, like, a shady energy drink company that made a bunch of pro Brett's at treats. Wait, David Letterman has an energy drink company? <laughs> oh, God. Right, Hulk, come get your tar owner. Like, I'm, uh. I'm not saying it was William Story uh, trying to sabotage his former business partner. It's totally so yeah. Jack. Sandwich bag got caught in the left-hand side of Magnuson's front wing, stalled out his front wing, he destroyed his tires, and ruined his race. He got fastest lap, though. So he got fastest lap, but didn't get something. the point for it. I believe this is the second time he's gotten fastest lap at Singapore in the last three years. Yeah, he did it last year as well. He still has the all-time lap record in a race for Kevin Singapore. Magnuson. Singapore. Singapore legend. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, yeah. Finish that without he set, he did set the fastest lap of the race, and as a result of it, uh, we have the first time this season that the fastest lap was set by someone outside of the top ten, and as a result of that, no one can, no one got a fastest lap bonus point. Hooray! Nobody wins. <laughs> you win. You win a no prize. Um, as mentioned, three DNFs. Kimi Raikkonen, who was who bumped into by Lionel Kvyat, Sergio Perez, who had an oil leak, and George Russell, who was bumped into the wall by Romain Grosjean. All other 17 cars finished. Championship standings with six rounds to go. Lewis Hamilton once again extends his championship lead to 65 points. 
Seriously, does it actually feel like Hamilton's been 65 points better than the field this year? Because I can't get there, folks. But yet, here we are. <laughs> the car certainly has been. <laughs> yeah, team orders didn't have a say in this whatsoever. Um, yeah, 65-point lead now on Val... Yeah, on Valtteri Bottas. Charles Leclerc is now joint third with Max Verstappen. They're both on 200 points, but Charles Leclerc obviously ahead on countback. More second places to uh, Max Verstappen, two to one. Um, so yeah, we go into the third tiebreaker on that one. Fun times. Sebastian Vettel has actually reeled him in a little bit, though. He's on 194 points now on fifth. It, and uh, then we go 130, 125 points back to Pierre Gasly in sixth on 69 points. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Um, Carlos Sainz needs the best of the rest with 58 points. He's like, This is despite the fact he's not scored points in three rounds. He's, he's still 16 points ahead of Alex Albon, who has scored points and had four top fives in the last five races. He's on 42 points now in eighth that place. That tends to happen when you get a rocket ship. Yeah, it helps. It helps. Um, Daniel Ricciardo on 34 points um, in ninth. Daniel Kvyat in 10th on 33. He's joined with Hulkenberg on that front. But again, the countback, Kvyat's podium finish, ironically, breaking the tie over Hulkenberg. <laughs> Good joke. The echoes uh, of the drag strip of poor judgment. Uh, the drag strip of poor judgment, our friend and yours. Uh, construct the standings right now. Uh, Merck's still engrave it already just fucking engrave it already yeah, you might as well like for, for Ferrari this this clearly came way too fucking late but here we are um but they still have a 133 point lead over Ferrari Merck's on 527 compared to Ferrari's 394 they're now 105 ahead of Red Bull on 289 they're now 200 points ahead a nice clean number uh, on McLaren on 89 Renault, again, like, open goals left and right, can't take advantage. They're on 67 points in fifth. Toro Rosso on 55 in sixth. Racing point on 46. Uh, Alfa Romeo, with another point from Giovinazzi, puts them up to 35 points now in eighth. Haas still in ninth place, and they still have not scored points since Germany. Um, they're on 26 points, and Williams... As mentioned, still bottom with one point. Again, that Russell in the wall was their first DNF of 2019. After, uh, after what's, I make that 30 cars they've raced, only one technical DNF. Well, you know, that, and it wasn't even technical. It was actually being punted. In a, in a race you? of this heat and humidity with air pollution from nearby wildfires. That was incredible. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit from 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 uh, very good, good by silver by uh, Singapore standards. I give this a solid. Uh, I give this a solid eight. Paul Lim shit housing his way to second and third round World Darts <laughs> Championship victories out of ten. Yeah, I was gonna go eight out of ten as well. Good uh, race, bit of a bore fest in the first few laps, but when it kicks off, ooh, it kicks off. Did you know that the Ferris wheel in Singapore is also a restaurant at some points? And to that, I say. Good luck if you have to use the restroom just as is about to go up. <laughs> oh, or if you God. didn't get your dipping sauce. Yeah. Mm. It depends on the context. Um, <laughs> who hasn't romantically ridden the Ferris wheel at some point in their lives? Don't all go quiet on me. You guys are all fucking liars. <laughs> Shall we move on? 
Yes. <laughs> I gotta say, we've been uh, we've been spoiled for so many good, it's compelling races lately this season. I think it's time we earned a long-needed rest with the Russian Grand Prix this coming week. You see, no, RJ, because we thought that was Singapore, and then we had a banger. Oh no, I didn't say anything about Singapore. I was specifically looking to Russia to give us our first clunker since France. I think I think we need a palate cleanser. Do you want to talk about some two wheel action? Yeah. Or the, or the lack of it, so to speak. Uh, I guess. Get the. Oh. Oh. get the sledgehammers. Yep, because it was a uh, super beat 'em down of epic proportions. As after the break, we'll talk about MotoGP at Aragon. <laughs> into turn one and then he was on the plane to the next race yeah cam pretty much got it in one folks um i'm not i'm gonna cut to the chase here mark marquez laid the hammer on the entire field pretty much all weekend long now i never talk about fp1s on this show but uh this this is a special case this is a this is the last time we talked about fp1 was when a bridge was taken out or a manhole cover came off and that was an entirely oh different series indeed indeed yeah well but uh fp1 happened on friday morning um in the later part of fp1 mark marquez puts a soft rear tire on the bike goes out and does a 146.8 now to put that into context that was 1.6 seconds faster than everybody else. I will revive my previous statement about a Mark Marquez lap this year. Why is the decimal point in the wrong place? Oh, God, it's not. <laughs> yeah, Marquez was G'd up to drive to ride at one of his, I believe it is his seventh home track of the year. Something like Why that. I'll just call it a home season. Yeah, for the record, as Lewis points out in the Discord, that was the fastest lap of the entire weekend. His pole position time was a 47 dead. Like He was just going easy on him. Now, to be fair, track was probably quite slippery because it did rain on Saturday and, and, and Sunday morning overnight, um, which probably didn't help matters. But uh, a 146.8. Um, yeah, it's uh, only two tenths of a second away from his own all-time lap record he set in 2015, which was a 46.6. That was in FP1, which cued the hilarious gif of I think it was one of the lead jaws engineers. Hit, just jaws hitting the floor. Yeah, the, my, my man from the Petronas team that was watching that on the screen as it happened. His jaw literally dropped when he saw the lap. And I, and I was like, come on. It, it was Johan Stiggerfeld from Patronus. Thanks for that, Lewis. Who saw the lap time and his jaw dropped. Um, I was reading Matt Oxley's post um, regarding this as well for Motorsport Magazine. And he talked about 
Jack Miller, who was third in, um, he was fifth in that first uh, free practice session um, for Pramac. He comes into the garage and uh, he's getting high fives and handshakes from his crew and his team. And we'll say, no, oh, well done, Jack. Great session, Jack. You know, looking very good out there. And then Jack's, you know, doing giving all the high fives back and the handshakes. And he looks at the screen and he realizes, wait. I'm getting high fives. I was 2.2 seconds slower than Marquez. <laughs> good effort. I was like, I was like, I was like, that's fucking good. Was the phrase he came out with? Apparently, <laughs> like that was the quote he came out with when he looked at the timing screen and realised Marquez was 2.2 seconds faster. Um, and he openly said to Matt during the weekend that, uh, yeah, Mark's a different beast. He doesn't know how to beat him. <laughs> was was literally what he said. He's a, he's a completely. He said, "Mark's Mark. He's a completely different beast." And I quote, "And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it now in our Discord server, guys, you can see it on our supporters club chat. You can see the gif in question, and uh, we didn't exaggerate that in any way, shape, or form. Just it's, bruh. It's just bruh. <laughs> it's it's just huh." <laughs> The fastest lap of the weekend was set in FP1, and it was a st- it was a statement of intent because Marquez was essentially untouched the rest of the weekend. Um, qualified on pole position by a third of a second ahead of Fabio Quattararo and Maverick Vinales. I believe that's now I want to say 18 straight races with Marquez Quattararo and Vinales on pole. Um, which I thought was quite interesting. That those three are blatantly the three fastest over a single lap, and that continues. Um, yeah, Marquez, Quattararo, and Vinales one, two, and three. Yeah, you got to uh, go back to Motegi last year for the last time any one of them wasn't on pole. That was Davi at Motegi. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the race was no different. Marquez had a one-second lead at the end of the opening lap, and well, that was it. Eff- effectively, uh, Marquez gone. Yeah, and I, they actually, like, I, I love that Dorna had a brand new graphic for this race that showed the race pace window for Marquez as the race was going on. And they said, generally speaking, within 0.8 of your best lap is where is what you would describe as general race pace. Um, and Marquez 149, was 149, yeah. 149, 149, 148. Yeah. Yeah, Marquez was, was actually way outside that window for the second half of the race. He could have gone a lot faster if he wanted to. Apparently, he said himself after the race that he still had, like, thoughts of Austin going through his mind where he pulled out that four-second lead, you know, straight away and then binned it. And it was like, no, 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 I've got to be a bit careful. I don't have to go all out to win this race. He realized that quite quickly. Um, he could have won that by nine or ten seconds easily if you wanted to. It was only, and I say only in inverted commas, 4.8 over the line in the end. And that was with another celebration. Because uh, the, the, the big promotion material this week has been the Market Brothers like to go fishing. That's a new thing, apparently. And uh, yeah, Marquez celebrated by going over the line, reeling in the big fish. Because it's in sight. That's a win in Thailand in, at the end of next weekend will seal him his eighth world title. Hell, all um, he has to do is just outscore Davi by like two or three points and he's got it. Davi has to win. Davi has to win the race, otherwise it's automatically over. Barring Marquez DNFing, which is just not likely at this point. And um, man, at this point, we're like, when you need 
a win just to stay alive in the championship, you're pretty much just holding the flood yeah. back. Eventually, you're not going to win. And if you remember back to Thailand last year, it was one of the most competitive races of the entire calendar year. The top four were separated by 0.3 of a second going over the line. Uh, barring a miracle, Marquez locks it up in Buriram. Yeah, yeah and that was with Marquez weekend. on uh, one arm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what is really, really demoralizing is when Andre Divizioso comes from the fourth row of the grid, charms his way all the way up to second place, but he still had no chance of catching Mark by the end of this. Zero. Davi is throwing everything he can at this, and there's just nothing he can do. Yeah. Nothing anyone can do in the sport right now. It's a nothing burger. Um, he was he had a brilliant race. It, it's it will be one of the rides of the year that no one will talk about. He went from tenth to second and uh, carved past uh, Jack Miller and Maverick Vinales in the last two or three laps to uh, to uh, that, take a comfortable that, second in the end. That Ducati straight line speed. Oh my goodness! Two hundred and fifteen miles an hour in the speed trap down the back straight. Just for the record, uh, fastest man for the speed trap all weekend, 214.9 mph. Just in case you forgot how far that Ducati is in a straight line, um, which you, I know you guys haven't, but uh, shame that's the only thing yes, that really does uh, all that well. Yeah, good luck in Thailand, boys. Like, just saying. Um, but uh, Davizioso, brilliant ride into second place, and uh, I get to dust off my old catchphrase again because, uh, ladies and gentlemen. He's Jack Miller. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> Jack Miller on the podium, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. Hey, third time this year. Matches his best results from Austin and Bruno. Uh, indeed. His third podium of the season. Another one for the uh, for the solid weekend that, that, uh, that Jack Miller has had. This time round, um, again, third place from him. Again, I think past Maverick Vinales with two to go to uh, get uh, to uh, to, uh, to get to the top there. Um, good job for me. He stuck with Dovi all race long. He didn't just you know fall into the distance when Dovi passed him. He stuck with him the whole way through. Great ride from Jack Miller. One of his best in MotoGP to date. So like a seriously good job from Jack on that one. Uh, Maverick Vinales was fourth. Um, in the end, Maverick, who was a comfortable second for most of the race, but uh, completely shredded his tires by the time he got to the end. Just completely ran out of of tire on the left hand side. Compound as well. Yeah, he was on the hard rear, but people don't men- people don't talk about this so much, right? Because again, I, I read Matt Oxy's great piece about the race itself, and he said, and I quote that I think I think it was uh, Jack that talked about it that if you have the hard compound rear tire. Like it actually because because you have less grip, it causes your rear tire to spin more, and as a result of that, you lose you actually lose degradation faster. If you go on the softer tire, yeah, it's grip and inevitably will run out faster. But because it doesn't wheel spin as much, it it doesn't destroy the tire as well. And then when you're dealing with Davizioso, who is the best tire saver in the field by a mile. That's how Maverick lost his spot on the podium. He just completely spun his tyres up and then Yamaha just had nothing left um, at the end of the race. That's why Fabio was also a distant fifth in the end in that leading group. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that's how Maverick dropped from second to fourth in the latest stages. Um, Fabio Quattararo, as mentioned, in fifth. Good ride for Cal Crutchlow in sixth. Brilliant ride from Alicia Spagaro on the Aprilia in seventh. On the <laughs> fucking Aprilia. Yo, wow. Yo, let's talk about some. Let's have an Aprilia appreciation session. <laughs> Both of them got in the top 11. Yeah, good drive from the Aprilia all weekend long. the turd. Uh, look, Alicia's always gone well around Aragon. He had that fantastic second place in, in the soaking wet. I think it was in 2014 um, uh, where he beat he, he was battling Cal Crutchlow for second on a claiming rules bike back in the day. And uh, so, yeah, Alicia's always gone well around, uh, around Aragon. And uh, this was no exception. Only lost to Cal by half a tenth over the line. Um, so yeah, they had a proper dogfight for that, for that sixth place. At least just coming off the loser, but still a very impressive performance from Alicia Spagaro there in seventh. Eighth, Valentino Rossi, who finished 18 seconds behind his teammate. Um, hmm. Um, uh, lads, the bells might be, are ringing. Um, it might be time to start the retirement tour plans. I'm just saying, like you know. If it worked for Derek Jeter, he can get a retirement jaw, and you know every maybe every trap promoter will give him a nice present for next season. You know, some some cowboy boots, or you know, for the ranch. You know, some some yellow paint. You know, I'm sure they'll, they'll find a use for it somewhere. That sort of thing, maybe. But uh, that's three races in a row has been smoked by Maverick. It's uh, it's not a good look. Like Valentino has always said, as long as I'm competitive, I'll keep going. Maybe, just maybe, the wheels are starting to fall off the wagon. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see on that one. Alex Rins, who was in ninth place and had to take a long lap penalty um, for, shall we say, hitting Frankie Morbidelli with a spear on the opening lap. <laughs> he sent Morbidelli to the Shadow Realm. Oh, yeah. Full Super GT. He sent it into the side fairing and uh frankie went down to be fair to rins he came back and he apologized um in the patronus garage after the race itself but uh yeah i, I i'm i'm stunned that rins only got a long lap penalty for that woeful piece of riding i have to say That's um, that was in a row after winning in silverstone he had a rough race last time out and now this time Indeed. Um, yeah, that was rough, and he was lucky to get away with that penalty, as far as I'm concerned, because that was uh, that was reckless um, from from Rins on that one, and that's not the first time he's For done that. Every this good season. day that Rins has had this year, he's had an incredibly boneheaded move. Yeah, and as Lewis points out in the Discord, Rins needs to learn how to qualify. This keeps happening when you when you he makes a very good point. Rins is always starting third row back or later. And he, he he makes it that much harder for himself to get to the front because we all know the man's got tremendous pace and an outright speed on that Suzuki, um, but he always makes life hard for himself by having to start from ninth on the grid, you know, or or further back in some cases. Um, you know, yeah, as as Lewis mentioned, he had podium running pace in practice. He could have been in the top three today, and it just didn't happen. Um, Takanakagami in tenth. Andre Iannone, 11. So yeah, as, as RJ mentioned, both are pretty. in the top 11. Good job from them this weekend. As Lewis mentioned as well, they have a knack of being good around Aragon. Um, I think he said half their top 10s have actually been around that track. As I remember Bautista had, was deep in the top 10 when he rode for them a couple of years ago, if memory serves. So yeah, they've always gone well around Aragon for some reason. Um, Danilo Petrucci in 12th. Um, 
lads, um, Petrucci's been phoning it in since he got the extension. Like, can somebody start ringing the alarm bells, please? He finished Jack it half Miller a minute is, behind his teammate. Jack <laughs> Miller is destroying Petrucci right now. They might have signed Petrucci too early. Like, it's... I think they signed the wrong man myself. It didn't help that, like, the weekend the, the contract talks were on the table was the weekend in Magello where Miller binned it from the leading group and then Petrucci would go on to win the race. He's been piss poor ever since. Like... Yeah. Petrucci, as we'll talk about, has just been jumped for third in the standings. And yep, could range. fourth or fifth. On the bike that just double podiumed with Miller and Davizioso. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the results now. Ever since... Magello, he since he won, he was third in Cat. He, he was third in Catalonia in Barcelona. You know, he was sixth in Assen. Solid. Yeah, he was fourth in Germany. Still solid. Not bad. Yeah, hang on. Actually, you know what? They got the they got it by point value. It's actually harder to work out. Give me just a second. Yep, he was eighth in Brno. That's okay. Yep. Ninth in Spielberg. That was the weekend their, their press officer passed away. And, it, you know, I think that's where it's really started for Petrucci. Because as mentioned, yeah, 8th in Bruno, 9th in Austria, 7th at Silverstone, 10th at Misano, and now 12th in Aragon. His season's tailing off rapidly here. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's looking like they are looking extra struggleicious at the moment um on on that front um so yeah petrucci in in a bit of trouble right now in in, in 12th place miguel Oliveira, the dentist himself was was only a, a a smidge behind him over the line only a, a two hundredths of a second in 13th he was in that group for in fighting for the top 10 all way all race long miguel Oliveira is really good you guys you, you just need to he just needs a, a bike he just needs a better bike than what he's got right now. Joan Mir was in 14th. Tito Rabat rounded off the points in 15th. Um, Banyaya 16th. Mika Kallio, who's replacing someone in that KTM team. More about that in part two. Um, so, yeah, more on that soon. But, yeah, Mika Kallio in 17th place. You'll figure out why later. Carol Abraham in 18th. Bradley Smith 19th, who was wildcarding on that Aprilia in the third bike this weekend. Jorge Lorenzo, 20th place and 46 seconds off his winning teammate. And two seconds a lap slower. 23 lap race, 46 seconds off the top. Two After seconds the race, he looked completely demoralized. Like, this just isn't fun for him anymore. And I don't this is someone who, throughout his career, has exuded so much belief in himself. And he just mm -hmm. looks spent. He looked like a like again, and as Lewis pointed out when he first pointed out this this interview, he looked like a broken man. He looked like someone that's had all all his confidence and and just goodwill beaten out of him. It's been a rough fucking year for Lorenzo, and on every single conceivable level, it's been rough. And he's still recovering from like broken backs don't heal overnight. They don't he, like that is a months long process. But even so, it's getting to the point where he's like an anchor to that Repsol Honda team right now. He's out of the points. He's 20th. He, unfortunately, he's, he's really he's costing them the team's championship right now. Which is crazy because it was like, as David Emmett mentioned earlier, Marquez has like 
more points than both Factory Yamaha's put together. He, like the Your only team single-handedly, he's single-handedly winning. Sorry to cut you off. When yeah. he's winning Honda the Constructors Championship yeah. alone. Yeah, they're three hundred six to two forty-one right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hafiz Siren was the only man on track to finish behind Lorenzo, and he was only 1.3 seconds behind him. Frankie Morbidelli was the only non-finisher in that race, from the aforementioned spear attempt um, by the rated-R superstar Alex Rins um, on that one. Um, constructor standings... Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention Paul Spargaro's name. Part two. See if you can spot the running pattern here. Um... Let's King. just say it's not good. King, I know it's I know it's been rough, but but you can get through this. We ju- we got we can do this together. <laughs> Indeed. We we, we we will soldier on and yeah, as as Lewis mentioned in the chat, Lorenzo has not been 100% fit for a calendar year cuz he I believe remember this this was the race last year. He fell on the first corner and I think he broke his thumb that day. Yeah. I, 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 I think that it was, was his thumb he broke when, when, he, when he had that first over, corner crash right? at Aragon last year, and it's it's been wretched ever since. Because one round later, it was Thailand. His bike had a had a technical problem. It flipped him off, um, f- literally, not figuratively. Well, maybe both. Who knows? And he had eight yeah. consecutive seasons from 2009 to 2016 where he did not drop out of the top three in points. He doesn't have a top ten finish all season. This might be the beginning of the end for 99, and that makes me very, very sad because I've got a lot of time for Lorenzo off the track. And uh, when you hear comments like Alberto Puig, who is mentioning that uh, Lorenzo is not doing well because he lacks he, he, he lacks courage, I just want to package Puig into a nice cardboard box, um, take that cardboard box up and then yeet it into the fucking sun. <laughs> like there's because, one oh, man on earth who can currently make the Honda work. Yeah, one. It's not a coincidence that everyone else on the Honda is constantly bidding it. And on top of that, no matter what you may think of him, Jorge Lorenzo is one of the bravest riders this sport's ever seen or right. ever known. And he's one of the greatest riding. And it's not a nice mantle to have, but I've never seen a better guy who rides hurt than, than Jorge Lorenzo. This is a man that's had many hellacious accidents. Like like legs akimbo, horizontal to vertical high sides. Like remember the one Laguna Seca that he had, or the the, the hundred and fifty mile an hour Assen uh high side he had that we actually where he had same day collarbone surgery to put a plate in his shoulder and he came back and finished in fifth. Jorge Lorenzo is a lot of things. Saying he lacks courage is not one of them. Period. Championship standings. Mark Marquez has 300 points. Engrave it. There's still five rounds to go. He has a 98-point lead on Andrea Davizioso. Basic maths. Um, I'll keep it brief. Marquez wins in Thailand. He wins the championship Four rounds early. He has to outpoint Davizioso by two. No one else can win this championship now. It is technically for all a two-person fight. Um, but yeah. Dovi is on track for 300 points. 
and he's going to probably finish a hundred plus back from Marquez. That's just ridiculous. We did the num we did the number crunching and like on a points per race basis, Mark Marquez could have a four hundred point season. Yeah. Yeah. If if he keeps at this pace, he will have a, I think something like four hundred and twenty points. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Very nice indeed. And uh yeah, to get to Lorenzo's 383 on points per race, given that Lorenzo had one race less when he broke the points record, the magic number would be 404 for Marquez. So keep half an eye on that. The all-time points record, as mentioned, is 383. That was what Jorge Lorenzo set in 2010. Keep half an eye on it. It's probably going down. Because seven wins, six second places, and then one DNF. It's the most terrifying run of form this sport may have ever seen. Davizioso, as mentioned, on 202. He's 98 points back. Alex Rins back into third over, over Danilo Petrucci um, in, their, in, in their fight of who can cock up the least on track at the moment. Rins is ahead by one point over Petrix. Maverick Vinales in fifth on 147. He's now 10 points ahead of Valentino Rossi on 137. Fabio Cotteraro in seventh now on 123. Jack Miller on 117 in eighth. Cal Crutchlow on 98 points in ninth. And Frankie Morbidelli rounds off the top 10 uh, in 10th with 80, despite being yeeted into oblivion by Alex Rins. Um, I've not mentioned that at all. Um, it's uh, quite terrifying a thought, the, the, way, the way the market is going right now. And yeah, This is already uh, his 200th Grand Prix start in all levels. What a way to celebrate 70, it. Yeah. Yeah, the big fish is right around the corner, as he's, as he's alluded to. 200 races. This was his 200th race start in his career in all classes. 79 wins. So 78 wins, I should say. 89 pole positions. 129 podium finishes. He's Rack a bit special. <laughs> it's better than are... the flip of a coin. Yeah. 65% podium chance for his career. You could pluck out any race of Marquez's 200th and there'd be a 2-1 to one chance he'd be at least on the podium. One in three chance he wins that race. That's utterly ridiculous. That's, <laughs> utterly, that's, utterly that's ridiculous. It's, he's on track to, bro to beat every record in the book. This is... A terrifying career. Uh, like, there's. I just looked at it again. Yeah, just double checking. 78 career wins, 52 of them in the top flight. 129 podium finishes, 89 pole positions, and to get this one in, 69 fastest laps. Nice! Thank you. And of course, the most important stat of all, seven world championships. Probably that going to be. going to go up a little bit. And he's still only 26 years old. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got nothing for you here, folks. I've got absolutely nothing for you. And what after a he talent. was done doing that, he just decided to watch his brother race during Moto 2 during the yeah. press conference. It was a yeah. It, during the, he couldn't he couldn't concentrate on questions because he was watching his brother race and he was actually talking it through with the press, which was quite nice. Um, but so yeah. To, to, to fully explain the context behind this, normally, yes, Moto2 goes first. But uh, to compensate for Formula 1, 
um, gentleman's agreement, uh, they swapped them around. So uh, Moto2 was the last race of the day and was the technically main event of the of the afternoon, um, which nobody watched because everyone was watching Singapore instead. Whoops. Sorry about that, Moto2. Had to, had to take the bite and had to bite the bullet on that one. But hey, who cares? Lord Binder took the victory, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! I told you it was going to get better, King. I'm happy it did get better. How many, a small... how many engine, how many uh, bolts were keeping the engine in the frame on this bike? <laughs> as few as possible. Oh dear. But uh, yeah, it was the best race of the weekend, funnily enough. It's just a shame that no one watched it. Um, Brad Binder winning by 0.7 of a second over Jorge Navarro in the end on the speed up in second. Alex Marcus took a relatively comfortable third in the end, just playing the championship game, especially given his main rival did not score any points. More on that in a second. Luca Marini, fourth. Uh, Sam Lowe's in fifth. Tom Luti, sixth. Icola Quona in seventh. Lorenzo Baldazzari in eighth. Jorge Martin in ninth. Good result for him. Xavi Vierge in tenth. DG in eleventh. Oh, by the way, as a side note, that runoff we talked about at Masano was appealed by the speed-up team and subsequently thrown out. Nice try, boys. Um, Nicolo Bulliger in 12th. Remy Gardner in 13th. Stefano Manzi in 14th. And Marco Bezzecchi in 15th. Rounding off the points. As I mentioned, Augusto Fernandez, uh, 22nd. Did not score a point on this one. And uh, to put it into, was loose point, to put it into perspective, there was only, there's only three KTMs in the top 10. Him... Laquona and Martin, and Martin is his direct teammate and was 15 seconds behind him. Oh no, King, I'm sorry, it got worse. Uh, uh my bad. <laughs> that bike is a that bike is a piece of shit. No, there's no other way of describing it. It's just this. Guys, steal Trellis frames. They're the future. In the past. All in one neat, pretty King, but get slow your package. Fucking man. <laughs> All of them. It sounds As like mentioned, a good time to listen to records on vinyl. <laughs> yes, it sounds like they're back in they're back in fashion. You know, Augusto Fernandez, twenty second, as I mentioned, did not score points. So uh, again, the Moto Two World Championship has taken a dramatic, uh, different looking leaderboard. Also, I'll give you one piece of news for free. Jake Dixon was in twenty third. He's changing teams next year. He's going to Patronus, which I, which begs the question. Whose agents do these guys belong to? <laughs> like <laughs> him and John McPhee are out here stealing the living. I have no other way of describing this. <clears throat> anyway, Moto Two standings as it's as we go into flight into the twilight of the season now. Yeah, uh, Marquez extends his championship lead back up to thirty eight points, uh, two thirteen to Navarro's one seventy five. Augusto Fernandez drops back to third on one seventy one. Um, Thomas Luti on 169. Nice. nice. We're on nice overload today. It's uh, it's awesome. Uh, Brad Binder on 60. Uh, Renzo Badassari on 138. Luca Marini, 126. Marcel Schrotzer, 116. Uh, DJ Antonio, 94. Um, Enea Bastianini rounds off the top 10 in well, with 81 points in 10th place. Moto3 real quick. This one... A bit surprising, only because one man took off and his name was Aaron Canet. Um, Canet basically put the hammer down and could not be touched. Simple as that. He broke Very off. Very similar and... to MotoGP. 
Yep, broke off, could not be touched. The fight was the fight was for second behind him, with a lead, with a shall we say, uh, second, uh, you know, a second set of eight guys fighting for second place. Ayagura was, you know, he won that mini battle in the end by finishing a career high second for him. So great to see another Japanese man on the podium. Fun times were all involved there. He beat Dennis Foggia over the line in third. John McPhee in fourth. Alonso Lopez, fifth. Tatsu Suzuki in sixth. Sergio Garcia, seventh. Alberto Reynas, eighth. Gabriel Rodrigo, ninth. And Tony Arbolino in tenth. With Dalla Porta, eleventh. When with the second race weekend in a row, Dalla Porta had a track limits time penalty. Uh, knocking him down to eleventh place. Carlos Tate in 12th, Suzaki in 13th, Santino Vietti 14th, and Jumpman Cornfar rounding off the points in 15th place. As Lewis alluded to, poor race in isolation, but great for the championship, because now it's a very different looking picture indeed with Candice win. Dalla Porta still in the championship lead, but only now by two points. 184 to Canets 182, Tony Arbolino third on 155, John McPhee on 126. Marcos Ramirez on 123, and Nicolo Antonelli the, the top of the leading group on 118. As mentioned, MotoGP will be back next weekend for the Grand Prix of Thailand in Buriram. It's the first championship match point for Mark Marquez. And knowing him, he probably takes it. He probably Have fun takes with that. it. It's still going to be a very good race regardless if last year was any indicator. Again, Oh yeah, Chang International Circuit at Bury Ram might be one of the five most underrated circuits that nobody talks about that Formula One doesn't go to. It's a fantastic racetrack. It really is. It, it, if it's anything like last year, we're going to be in for a classic. Can't wait for that one next weekend. We'll be back later this week for part two of our doubleheader where we talk about the quest for the Astor Cup and a certain man from Tennessee reclaiming the one. Basically, you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and our personal handles at harrison101hd at RJ O'Connell at Ryan Eric King and at cbuckley917. Our website, motorsport101.com. And early access for this episode and the next one, part two, will be just the buck for this weekend only so again if you really would really like to back us on patreon no time like the present patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 see you back later this week for part two and the quest for the astor cup until then i've been andre harrison they've been cam buckley ryan king and rj o'connell and until next time sayonara later y'all bye till next time So, any, any, anybody, anybody got a late night church confession? No, I'm just gonna have some natural hot chicken in the story. I didn't even hear. I didn't even hear what you said. You cut out. <laughs> Does anybody have any confessions? Does anybody want to testify at the Church of Dre? <laughs>
Tom Zaclair is overrated. Whoa! Hey! Whoa! Okay, okay, no, okay, I'm not gonna go that far. I will say his fan base is equally as bad as Verstappen's and Hamilton's. That's fair. Fan base is bad. His fan base is a roaring f- trash fire. Just like his love life. Oh! <laughs> 